You're listening to the CPR of Life podcast, a show about creating community through connection, awakening potential, and uncovering the resilience of the human spirit through an understanding of state of mind. It's about living a life well-lived and uncovering what often gets in the way. Hello and welcome to episode number 29. Today my guest Phil Goddard and I are taking a deep dive into the topic of love. Phil is a romantic at heart and has written a couple of books about love. I was intrigued to hear more about his journey and why love and how he brings that into his coaching practice. I hope you enjoy the conversation. I think it's going to be a great one. So welcome, Phil. I'm super happy to have you on the show with me today. Uh, thank you for inviting me. been looking forward to, to talking with you. I have as well. I'm, it's interesting because I was reading your, well, your second book this weekend and there were so many things coming up, but just in general, when I woke up this morning, I was like, this is going to be a really fun conversation. So I hope we don't, you have to live up to that expectation now. Uh, yeah, no pressure. Thank you very much. <laughs> I've, I'm, I've been really looking forward to it. And it's funny, you know, you, you mentioned the book and, and it, I, I do notice, oh, I get a little bit nervous when somebody mentions my book because there's, there's two books because they feel such a long time ago. I know I only published them two years ago, but a lot of the stuff that I, that's in those two books um, was written three, four, even five years ago and and really the last two years um yeah wow so um anyway bring it on <laughs> more than happy to talk about anything so yeah cool. definitely definitely phil do you want to tell the listeners of, like what is it that you would like them to know about you oh oh what a lovely question uh what would i like them to know about me I don't know whether I want them to know about me. That's a, that's a, that's a really weird question. I don't think anybody's ever asked me something like that before. Um, what would I like them to know about me? That I believe that we can all live together. My gosh, this sounds rather romantic. Uh, we can all live together um, in harmony, embracing each other's differences, um, and have a lot of fun living that way and have very easy, fruitful, prosperous relationships with each other that way. And I probably am as, I don't know if I can swear on this program, so uh, I'm probably as messed up as anyone. Yeah. Um, there's nothing special about me, and, and I'm just like all of you. That was a pretty good answer to a question you were stumped by. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'd answer it that same way if you ask me tomorrow, but anyway, that's just what occurs to me. <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh, yeah. Great question. I might, I might even reflect on that if I started to get a little self-obsessive here. How do I want people to you know, think of or know about me? I, I tend not to really focus much on me. Um, it's, and I think that's probably why it's thrown me. You know, I do see that. And, and you know, that can be part of some of the, one of the things I struggle with is, is that, um, you know, maybe I should consider consider me a little bit more um, at times. It's, it's perhaps I'm at the other end of that spectrum of, of, of self-obsession. So, yeah, great question. Thank you. You're welcome. We're going to have more of those. <laughs> um, so you've written a couple of books on love, and it's something that's a topic that I can see to something that uh, is a passion for you, which is kind of a play on words there. <laughs> Why love? Why love? 
you know, so if you'd have asked me that uh, a couple of years ago, indeed, at the time I'm writing those books, I would have probably gave you an answer of something like, well, when we strip everything else away, the only thing that's left seems to be love. And it would serve us all, help us all to get along in that romantic idea of harmony that I previously described, um, to, to remember that and to learn that and to get back in touch with that. But, you know, what I've seen since those since, since um, publishing those couple of books is, is, is um, even how made up our idea of love is. It has to be. There's like, so I get that there's something, there's something going on. There's like, I, I think we're all part of something. There's a, we might call it spirit, God, universe, 3P terms, mind. Um, so there's uh, something going on, which I'm not sure that our tiny little human minds will ever be able to understand. It looks like we've been trying to do that for millennia. So there's something going on, but it looks like any time that I'd start to describe that, and I start using some words, I'm in the realms of making something up. I'm applying meaning. So it looks to me just so love, whilst we might all have similar ideas around it, that's what they are. Like, so why love? I can see that what I, when I'm talking about love, I'm making something up, but it's my favorite idea. <gasps> it is still my nice. favorite yeah. idea. Um, and through, you know, so... <laughs> I recently had a t-shirt printed a few months ago and I just wore it. Actually, I had a couple of weeks um, on a Greek island, Zakynthos, and uh, wore this t-shirt. And uh, it's one of my favorite questions. What would love do? Yeah. Uh, from Robert Holden. And um, that just, uh, a few people, three people, in fact, a few, there's technically a few, isn't it? a few people asked about it. Um, and I gave them, you know, oh, what's with the T-shirt and whatever, what does that mean? So I just said, you know what, any time you're um, experiencing any kind of discomfort or um, any kind of struggle, maybe there's something going on between you and your partner or child, sister, whatever, any kind of situation, that's my favorite question to ponder. What would love do here? And uh, the three people that asked me that, they all kind of softened in the same way. Um, and it's that, it, is, it, it seems to me that that's one thing, that, that kind of inquiry is, is, is one thing that can bring us together, um, bring out the best in us, um, bring out our kindness, our compassion, and certainly not least for ourselves, because you know, there are situations where what, what we'd love to hear, it might, we might have something occur to us that has us take better care of ourselves in a particular situation. So it's, it's, it's my love. Why love? It's my favorite. It's my favorite idea. It's my favorite lens to look at the world and to look at others. Is it, um, first of all, I have to say about your books and I said it off air, but I want to say it on air. You're a phenomenal writer. I, I just, you can feel your writing in your words and you have a very beautiful way of, of putting your words so I enjoy reading your books. Thank you so what, much. What's changed now from, so two years ago, like say, say the, was that when your last one was published or was it last year? Hey, it was two years ago and I've had uh, <laughs> three, three in progress since then. But, okay. um, and, I, and I have no date set when I like put something else out there. Um, what's changed? Oh, 
Really, pretty much what I've just said, I think, is seeing the made-up nature of absolutely everything, even this idea of truth. Um, and I can... <laughs> I can get into some some um, quite energetic and passionate debates around this particular <laughs> thing because it seems to be a little bugbear of mine. But um, as a as a friend said to me last year, Phil, you I notice you're quite opinionated, but I also <laughs> that, uh, really, you don't, you don't take your own opinions particularly seriously, and that that's that was really cool for her to see that because I notice, yeah, I do. I can get quite worked up about things about my opinions, but for the most part, I do remember well, that's all they are. They're mine, and and. I, I guess I get more amused by myself than than, than anything. Um, so what's changed? It is, yeah, seeing the made-up nature of absolutely everything. So I used to be out there saying, well, love is the only truth. You know, and that might be true, Jessalyn. That might yeah. that might be true. But what I've seen is I don't think we can really know. Yeah. I don't think we can really know anything. So I'm coming from a place of like, well, this is a great game to play. And, and I found life even more playful. I thought it was pretty playful anyway, but even more playful, I guess I'm probably a little bit more mischievous and lighthearted, chilled, um, taking things much less seriously. Um, and, you know, I haven't gone back to the books for a long time, so I could be completely off track here. But if I think of them, I would imagine there's bits that are a little bit preachy, maybe. Um, and... Yeah, it's, it's to me. It's. It, I think there's a there's a there's a wonderful peace and freedom in coming from a place of of being okay with not knowing and no longer searching for a truth, and simply just playing with how things appear, knowing that that is just how they appear. There's magic to that. That's such a gift to be in that space. You know, to recognize that and be in that space. And the same for me. Until it's not, <laughs> you know, it is. And then all of a sudden in a snap. <laughs> well, I mean, that's why I'm saying like people, you know, know about me or whatever. That I, I, It's wonderful having these kind of conversations where we slow down and really reflect. And I've kind of given you a real idealistic view of Phil Goddard, mm. you know, and um, I'm telling you my favorite idea of Phil. Yeah. Uh, but it's, but it's not always like that. Of course not, you know, and um even recently, earlier this year, I actually had a period of like depression. And I started noticing that. I guess that's what I've become better at is taking the observing position mm. of, uh, of noticing what's going on rather than being lost in what's going on. And okay. I'll tell you, Jessalyn, Jessalyn what, what, there, was a, there, was a, there was one day where I realized, oh, I've even started to like, identify with this guy who feels oh. depressed. And I don't know if that shook me out of it, but from what I can remember, I mean, this was back like February time, I think. And, and um, yeah, I think things just started to change then when I just realized, oh, getting lost in the story of <laughs> Phil is depressed. Whereas like, well, no, people would ask me, how are you? And I'm like, well, I've been feeling a bit down about things a bit lately and whatever. And, oh, she's depressed, are you? Well, yeah, I guess I feel a bit depressed. But sometimes I don't even think those conversations are particularly helpful actually I'm not suggesting we want to lie and it's great to have yeah. people it's, it's beautiful to have people that are really present and you can just share with them whatever but um, I don't know that it really helps to delve into that kind of stuff because uh, I got to a stage where I was talking about it a lot because my mother lives like a 10 minute drive away so I'll see her at least once a week and so I, was, I, would, I would speak to her and then I realised gosh that seems to be the 
the main subject of our conversation. And, uh, and it was just in that moment of realizing I, I'm identifying, I'm seeing myself as this depressed person. That's not how I am. That's, that's not really me. And I don't mean that even in the, that the spiritual senses that, that we see so much on social media and what have you, that the real you, which is a, a another idea that I <laughs> used to level. preach, but now has me chuckle. <laughs> how could we really know? It's like, I can tell you what I'm not. Of course, I get it. I'm really not this body. There's some kind of spirit that's inhabiting this, this bag of skin. Um, but I can't tell you what I really am. Anyway, I don't know. I feel like I digress there. I can't even remember. No, not at all. You know, like, and it's interesting you say about the conversation about depression. Almost probably around the same time, I had come back from the UK and I got really sick for this some reason this year. And then my son got really sick and he was in the hospital. And when he came out of the hospital, I got into this, oh my goodness, I'm a bad parent. I missed the marker when I should have seen how sick he was. And then I just went down this rabbit hole for a bit. And I think having a conversation with somebody to say, holy cow, like I'm really stuck in my head and this versus having every conversation be about that. Mm. There's a difference. I think there's, but there is something to say just to almost, it's like you let it out there. And then once it's out there, like the, like the air out of the balloon pops. I don't know. When I, you know, when I talk to people who experience, um, who experience depression or, you know, relationship breakups, that kind of thing, it's like, we want to honor that that's going on. I don't want to try and fix anything. Nothing needs to change. But I've, I've definitely found personally noticed this in, 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 in clients I've worked with is that just getting on with life anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> seems to do something. <laughs> And that can be just the smallest, the smallest thing, yeah. really. Like uh, I had times, you know, where I had stuff going on, relationship breakups and stuff where I've been flawed and have not been able to perhaps continue with some aspects of my work. And, uh, okay, so I'll vacuum and I'll clean or just kind of just do something. And, and again, equally, there have been days of just, well, it's a duvet day. Yeah, Netflix, you know, yeah. but it's, um, I think there's a, there's a, the chink of freedom that's available is just that it's possible to remember. We don't always remember that, but it is possible to remember that that's going to change. Right. I had a, a, had somebody coming to me relatively recently through, uh, been in a relationship for quite a long time and the relationship broke down and um, this person was absolutely heartbroken. And like, there's the one thing that I could offer this person is that I know that how it looks is going to change. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I, but yeah. it will change. And did they get it? Yeah. 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 That's... And, uh, and that's just really the same with the depression. I just knew in that, like when I said, Oh, I've started to identify with this person as depressed. Mm. And I think then I remember, well, that's not me because yeah. I know this isn't permanent. It's, transient you know i mean we're kind of obsessed with permanence of everything really it seems at times and just yeah. that remembering that this is completely transient okay feeling depressed mm-hmm. cool yeah cool <laughs> <It's> like, <"Meh." laughs> yeah. cool or not cool but it'll pass <laughs> what do you think of the concept of self-love oh you know i i think much more is made of it than is necessary. I think we might want to look at 
self-abuse rather than love, right? I love, I don't, well, the, the, the quote I'm about to say is either attribute, attributed to Rumi or A Course in Miracles. Okay. Um, and uh, who knows whether Rumi said it before A Course in Miracles was written in the early 70s. Um, and I'm going to paraphrase because I can't remember it word for word in this moment. But it's something like, seek not for love, but find the barriers within yourself that keep you from it. Ooh, I like that quote, and I, I, I have a lot of roomy quotes. I haven't heard that. One. Mm, Say that again. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. I probably, I, I, I reckon I've got that reasonably accurate. I might be a few <laughs> words out, but that, that's the gist of it. And and what he's suggesting is, we don't have to search for love. We don't have to seek out. We don't have to try and love ourselves. But here's the thing that I notice about self-love. That's going on anyway. Like every cell in my body is loving me. Every single cell in my body is doing, you know, its utmost to 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 have me survive. And um, even if I have an illness, okay, so we might say that there's some confused cells there that are perhaps doing me damage. But um, the same applies really to us, perhaps psychologically, in that not damage, that's um, but um, it's misunderstanding. So to come back on track with your question self-love is something that's going on and there are times and ways in which we say obscure that and if we take a for example a baby newborn baby or even just a a baby that's a few months old has no concept of self-love and we often hear <laughs> another bugbear of mine, another another opinion to invite you know, um, around. Um, well, you really need to love yourself before anyone else will love you. I mean, that's absolute BS. Yeah. Really, I think a baby has any concept of self-love, and yet there we are, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, cooing around around the baby. So, um, and I'm a real big fan of simplicity, and I think. Self-love, if it becomes a quest, it kind of then in that can become an act of self-abuse. The quest of self-love can become an act of self-abuse because there's an implication in there that you are not loving yourself. Whereas I like to perhaps offer the viewpoint of um, how are you blocking that off? How are you blocking off seeing or obscuring the love? that you are, the love that's flowing for you, how, how, how are you forgetting how that you do love yourself, things that you do already do for yourself. So, um, yeah, I, I like to keep that quite, quite simple. And I think we can, we, can, we can be much better served by just seeing how we're, how we're keeping love out. Again, as I said perhaps earlier, it seems to be that love's what's there when we strip everything else away. Yeah. Um, so to me, oh yes, I need to love myself more. So does that mean I need to, you know, do the whole rose petals around the bath and candles thing and Belgian chocolates and stuff? Yes. (laughs) I can stop berating myself. Yeah. Have you heard that question? Tell me the two people you love the most in this world. No, I haven't, but it's you and me in this moment. Right. Right. So many people will never include themselves in that. They'll say, you know, and it's, yeah, 
it's interesting. I've seen quite a few people lately on this journey to self-love kind of thing. And I and just kind of want to say, oh, <laughs> let me shorten that path for you. Let me show you yeah. the shortcut. Oh, yes. I need to find my nose. I really, I mean, I, I realize, yeah, I need, to, I need to just work out where this nose is. I need to go and get one, actually. Yeah, so a 12-week program to, uh, to get a nose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I love the idea that you said about simplicity. That's something for me lately. Oh my goodness. I just want to go through my house and get rid of stuff. I just, everything in my life, because there's a magic in, I want to articulate this right, but it's going deeper into something. Into Instead of like, even I'll give you an example, books, because I have a horrible problem with buying books. (laughs) I buy, I have so many books. And I haven't read them, but I'm, you know, but it's like instead of buying it, I keep telling myself, instead of buying another book, like sit with a book and really, really sit with it. And right now I'm reading um, Tattoos of the Heart or On the Heart. Have you read that? I haven't. No. Oh, beautiful book. Makes me cry. Um, Father Boyle. Have you heard of Homeboy Industries in L.A.? Uh, I haven't either. Incredible. So the premise of this is about a priest who started – um, in, in gang, he, he lives in this gang-related area, like str- they're heavily influenced. And he's giving them space. Mm. He's giving them, so they've opened a cafe that they work at, they run, you know? He's given them a purpose and a space. Oh my goodness, the love in this book. I highly recommend you take it on your journey. Um, <clears throat> but just sitting with that and going deeper and having the thoughts, having the questions versus getting through the book, putting it down, checking it off and moving on to the next one. There's something beautiful when we just kind of park for a while with life. I, I, I guess I, I have been for a lot of my life um, addicted to seeking. Mm. And another big change perhaps over the last couple of years in that moment of just really seeing how made up everything is, is the seeking just no longer makes sense. Yeah. Um, and again, there's so much more freedom in that. So no longer searching for truth and no longer searching to discover who I really am um, or the true self or what is God. I'm much more now the place of I've got absolutely no idea who or what God is, but my, look what she's done. And the, the funny thing is about books like, so um, I'm getting ready to move out of my apartment that I've been in for nine and a half years. I moved in here thinking I'll be here for six months till I decide what I want to do <laughs> yeah. with the rest of my life. And that was nine and a half years ago. Um, and yeah, it's an exciting next chapter, even though I'm not really sure what that's going to be. I know um, I'm going to do some traveling and stuff and uh, uh, in a particular direction. I'm like, I will go with that. But when I moved in here, I had a thousand books. And over the last couple of years, got them down to about a hundred. I counted them a few weeks back, 140. And I'm going to get rid of all of those too. (sighs) All of those too. And I used to read books as part of the search. Yeah. And um, so initially, I would get initially there's a phase, just talking to you now, I realized there was a bit of a phase of anti book. Like everybody's recommend. I mean, okay, so. It's like statistics here in, in talking about getting rid of 140 books. What I'm not telling you is the 300 unread books on my Kindle, right? Uh-huh. So um, 
but so I, cause I went for a stage of, you know, in the searching, like everybody, come on, people in this profession, everybody recommends a book to us every time we speak to them. True. Yeah. And there was a time where some people that I still do respect very much, every time they recommended a book to me, I would buy it, but I just hardly ever got around to reading. Them. And, um, it's funny. So this, this year for the first time in a long time, I started reading whilst I was in Greece purely for leisure. Like Ugh. what the hell? Yeah. Nothing on it. Just, just, just enjoying reading. And so I, I'm kind of not turned on and buzzed by loads of spiritual, um, books that are looking to teach me something like let's have a laugh about life or, um, you know, give me a rom-com, I guess. Um, (laughs) (laughs) just, just, just to be here and experience life rather than always be trying to work something out. It certainly takes the pressure off when you're reading something just to enjoy it versus reading it because, Oh my goodness, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's not just with books, of course. But and that's the thing with life in general. Like I think I was saying to you before, like I took a time where I unplugged, and it was really, really nice. But it's also shown me how much time I was spending on things that were just really unnecessary, you know, kind of frivolous. And what was I getting something out of it? A question I've been asking myself a lot now is for what purpose, you know. Mm if I'm doing something or something feels not right to me and I'm struggling with a decision with it's like, for what purpose is this, you know, here, what, you know? Yeah. Is that, is that purpose real? Cause it turns yeah. out like any purpose really, we've got to be making that, that stuff up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like is our, our, for what benefit, what purpose? Yeah, for sure. Greece seems to be a place that's near and dear to your heart. Yeah, it is. I've been, um, God, I don't know, 35, 36 times, maybe more. I don't know. <laughs> just, just a couple of times. A half, a half. Yeah, yeah, twice a year. And I've done um, seven now, just, my, just done my seventh um, one-on-one coaching intensive there. And uh, 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 intensive in a way is kind of the wrong word. It should be a coaching chill out really because um, um, each of the clients, it's, it's, it's a really, you know, the place I go, I find beautiful. Although it's, I, I may well have done my last one there in a particular place because um, it's getting busier. But, um, yeah, it's still beautiful. And as it's, again, you're talking about space and being chilled out and having nothing on it, not trying to get anywhere. If you're on a, if you're on a Zoom call with somebody in a coaching conversation, that's a really different kind of energy to me anyway than spending two days with somebody just walking together and chilling out at cafes and, and whatever. So uh, there's so much in that space and relaxing and not trying to work stuff out. It's just beautiful, some of the things that show up. I did my first intensive earlier this year and I was really nervous about it before I did it. I had a lot of thinking going into it, um, but thankfully I had to travel to get there. So it was one of these things. But when we were in it, man, it was a beautiful space. Yeah. You know, like you say, there is something entirely different about being on a Zoom, although that can be a beautiful space. Like this energy is is amazing to me. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, it was it was it was something that I would definitely do again. It wasn't something I had on my radar, and it came about just through I was working with his son, and then. Um, but it was beautiful. It was beautiful to, to 
to be in that space with somebody. And I really had no, like, whatever came out of it came out of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 I absolutely love it. And, I, and, you know, I may be doing, well, I will do. I, I definitely will do more of that in-person coaching, um, chilled out coaching over a period of a couple of days, um, elsewhere, not necessarily anymore as a Kinthos, but definitely elsewhere. And there is this, uh, I, certainly the first couple that I did, I had a lot of thinking about it as well. Is this person really just paying all this money just to sit with me? Yeah. And here we are chatting and, and, but then looking back, like without the thinking, the thing that, that I'm very good at doing is being really present with mm-hmm. someone, just being really present with somebody. Cause I'm, you know, I, I get, <laughs> it's, it's funny. I'm laughing at myself. Super. I get super excited about people and like what's possible. Having somebody come in front of me and sit in front of me. I'm excited. I love this. I, I love people. And, and I can see like what's possible. Not, I don't see, okay, what, but I see the possibility. You see what I mean? Right. So, um, who, and whomever it is. So, Likewise, similarly on a Zoom call, I will be really present with you. I'm really not used to talking about myself. That's probably, I mean, coaching a long time. But as if I consider myself as a coach, that's what's different is I have very little about me going on. Yeah. I'm just there. I'm just like <laughs> whoever I am is here, like for you. Yeah. I'm present with you. And I'm really interested in you, curious about you, and will love you and see beyond your stories that you're telling yourself. And it's wonderful to do that in person with somebody as well, because uh, because that person as well can relax into that so much easier as well. Yeah, it's, it is. It's funny because Dominic and I had a conversation after I'd come back and he had said, well, how do you know, like, it was like the metrics of it. How do you know it's successful? And I was like, huh. <laughs> well, you know, and I had to, but then I was just like, well, you know, just touching base with him after I, it was definitely successful. He's quite a well-known person and things have changed dramatically for him. So, uh, but yeah, interesting questions. It's just even, it just never occurred to me, but since you say it, the word intensive, <laughs> it kind of, it's like, it makes me feel tight now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think I'm going to use that anymore after talking to you today either. I, I think I've used it immersion. I think I've used coaching immersion a little bit more recently because it feels like, yeah, we're immersed, immersed, sorry, in that. Um, but yeah, intensive is, to me, doesn't feel uh, particularly helpful. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> Phil, when you think about when you, you we were talking about your client and kind of what kind of a story would they be engaged in when it comes to love? What kind of stories do you get engaged in with yourself? With myself, do you, like do you dance with? Kind of like when you're, you know, yeah. <laughs> mm. Uh. So here's the thing. I, I haven't shared this publicly. I mean, I don't know, like good stories, bad stories, any stories, any stories, whatever. <laughs> so um, that's what I mean. Like I'm probably just like you in the respect. I tell myself a whole bunch of sometimes quite nasty stories. So here's the thing. Um, the end of 2017, I lost quite a lot of weight, like about 40 pounds. Right. Yeah. And I felt really good. And for pretty much all of uh, 2018, Kept that off, you know. There's, there's always a little bit of a, of a fluctuation or whatever. This year, 
I put some of that back on. Yeah. And I I was like, gosh, I don't feel good about how I look now. And um, just stayed there with a friend just recently in Barcelona. And uh, (laughs) I was telling him, right, okay, I don't want any pictures of me from the shoulders (laughs) down. I don't want any any pictures anywhere. But he did. He posted one, like a full on picture of me I couldn't believe it but I can look at it like objectively and think oh come on Phil you look fine but um, somebody who has essentially struggled with weight my whole life and I, and I laugh now because I think wow I wish I was as slim now as when I used to think I was fat right <laughs> yeah that would be great um, and I can and, and, they, and like all the evidence is there of how unhelpful that is but for the most part like in these moments of slowing down, I can see it doesn't matter so much really. It doesn't matter. I can see the fallacy of those stories. Like I, I do like myself actually, you know, like in the, in these, without those stories. In fact, I'm cool even just telling myself those stories because I kind of can see the funny side of that now. Um, I'm, I'm <laughs> my friend said to me, Phil, you're actually a beautiful man. He didn't mean that physically. He just meant all round. Yeah, I think you're right. So um, there are lots of stories that are perhaps not as successful that um, anybody who's familiar with the Enneagram, um, I think it's a great thing to look at, by the way, for fun. It's a personality test. It's a very spiritual personality test. I, I've never been one for personality tests if you use them prescriptively, but uh, I really love the Enneagram, how descriptive it is. And so I came out a very, very strong personality type nine on that, the peacemaker, and I can see and look back. Oh, my goodness. So much of what's described there describes me like somebody who doesn't appreciate their impact on the world. That's very, very typical. It's like nobody's going nobody's gonna to be interested in that. Yeah. And uh, again, there's a, there is this fundamental shift from seeing life as a documentary to seeing it as a comedy, um, sometimes a very tragic rom-com. But um, that's, a really, that's, a really, that's a wonderful, joyous shift from taking things seriously to, to just seeing the humor in all of it. Like, gosh, how, how wrong I am so much of the time that's a wonderful thing that's really like i love that i love that i'm wrong so much um it's just like these these bullshit stories i can put something on facebook and uh i don't have much thinking about it nowadays but i occasionally would notice put that out there well i guess i can have some reflection because i put something out even just very recently that came through me you mentioned my writing thank you so much but and it was one of those pieces of writing that just came through in the moment it just flowed right out in one go didn't really have to do any editing it just came out i started i just started writing and the whole thing came out that's, that's one of those that's got some really wonderful engagement i had no idea yeah. it's like and i don't even know where that came from and i find that quite amusing and funny because that just reminds me over and over again. Again, like I say, I have no idea. I don't know. And you know what? We could we can work forever. Come on, you can work with me for a whole year, and we'll work on you telling yourselves better stories. Yeah. Gosh, that seems like such hard work. Right? There's a the the liberation is just really is is just seeing the fallacy of all of the stories. 
and um, being guided by what is happening rather than what you think should happen. <laughs> yeah, it's. I was thinking about it last night, and it's kind of like we get we get caught up in this what was or what should be, and 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 you're just missing what is in this moment. You know, it's like you same thing. Same. Th- we are so we're like twins. Of, from <laughs> we're, <laughs> it reminds, reminds me also one of my friends I was taking a selfie with her a few months back and you know had that thing going on don't really like pictures of myself but I'm over it like okay put it out there anyway it doesn't really matter um, but I said to her oh my god my face looks so round and she just said well your face is round yeah <laughs> uh, okay alright I guess I'll be good with that then thanks yeah. <laughs> and same thing I've gone through the same thing as you with the whole struggle with weight and it's funny because I came across a picture of my son killed himself so this is me never mind the hair when I backpacked through Europe <laughs> many many years ago and I was like oh my goodness like this is amazing I want to look like this again and Finley goes mommy you look like you didn't eat <laughs> did you not eat when you were gone it's it is, I, and I've, I've tore all the, the ligaments. I've had knee surgeries 10 years ago, but I've tore them all again last year, and I can do very, very little, and I've gained weight and felt so uncomfortable in my skin that there's a few times when I've, you know, gone to go swimming with Finley, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't put on a bathing suit. And then one day I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, really? Oh, my goodness. Like, this is, you're stopping living life because i'm i'm living my story yeah almost like oh i'm searching for a better version of me whereas you're already the best version in this moment that's it yeah, yeah. and so we did i put a put on a bathing suit we went swimming and we had a fun and, and it just was what it was but it's when i look back at how much of my life i spent in that story in that search in seeking constantly seeking it's exhausting yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like is exhausting. it yeah. really really is isn't it and when you take that off it just it just i don't know life just feels lighter well i think attempting to keep love out is the hardest work that we do mm, that's a nice that's very very so true yeah so what for you now, when you so broke up relationships, what's changed? You said kind of over the past couple of years, you kind of look at things differently. When it comes to personal relationships, how has that shifted for you? Uh, I still have a very romantic idea about there being like one person um, who I'm going to share the rest of my days with and will share absolutely everything. But I'm not so attached to that idea. And um, I have some really beautiful, I mean, really beautiful friendships now, connections with people because, I, well, I don't know if it really is because I'm realizing, well, I'm adding some meaning here. Um, so I'll just say, and I also notice, <laughs> I also notice I have less on them. Yeah. That I'm, I'm, I guess I'm present. I'm more present in my relationships. And by that, again, I mean I'm not uh, – I, I don't have an agenda 
in my relationships. They don't, I don't have an agenda, actually. Yeah, that's cool to see that. <laughs> I don't, I, I, there's no agenda. So I'm not trying to get anywhere. Um, I don't think they need to. I'm not trying to have them be a certain way. And in fact, this last year, I've had to let go of um, a friendship with three particular people. Two of those have been friends for almost 20 years and one for over 30 years. And I've really grieved that, actually. I started writing about this recently. I haven't put anything out there. But just what I'm seeing new in friendships. Um, and you know what? Oh, Jesse, the 20, even even 10 years, five years, we can change so much anyway. Yeah. And I realized that I was trying to cling on to the idea I had of these particular friends. And there was an idea of them. Yeah. And, and I guess they had an idea of me. I mean, two of those friends made it very, very clear to me recently that we're just not friends anymore. We're just not friends. And I'm like, really? Oh. But looking back, I can see, yeah, you're right. And I love them. I, I still feel a lot of love for them. Um, so relationships, again, are easier. There's not without, not without um, grief, of course, for relationships that haven't matched up to an idea. That's how we navigate life, right? We create meaning. We have ideas of how things should be. We create meaning. That's just how we navigate. What, I, what I've loosened up on is I've loosened up my grip on all of that meaning so I can see it going on and there's just there's just an ease there's just an ease now friend recently he's like a relatively new friend very new friend actually we, and we'd only met in person um, recently but it feels like I've known him all my life and um, that's beautiful because I don't know maybe I have that's funny isn't it I am um, in not trying to get anywhere and having no agenda in my relationships, in my friendships, I'm, I'm not hiding anything. I'm not looking to impress. I'm just, here I am. Yeah. It's, it's funny that like you letting go of friendships. There's this saying, people come into your life for a reason, a season, or for life. Yeah. And I heard something else similar to that lately, but I can't remember what it is. There's a couple of friendships in my life that that I've let go of, and it's just it's interesting to see, yeah, how much you can kind of. For me, I created. I had this expectation box of how, what a friendship looked like, what a relationship with people was like, and what, and I had this expectation of how they should be, but I didn't share that with them. <laughs> I didn't get their okay with that. You know, I just decided this is how they should be. And then, of course, when people don't live up to that, then I hold them accountable. It's like, huh. But just in, in a couple of years ago, that came to me that that's what was, you know, just around the time that my dad passed away, actually, it was a really eye-opening time for me. Um, when you're just with people with no, no attachment to kind of what it should be, there's such a beautiful space that can come from that. Yeah, and we don't need people to agree with us. <laughs> no. You know, we don't need people to agree with us for us, for us to love them, for us to, to, uh, to feel love. And um, maybe that's, you know, one of those, one of those barriers that we can, we can have. Somebody disagree with us and uh, get quite upset about that, but it's like completely okay. And wouldn't the world, <laughs> 
is another romantic idea. Wouldn't the world be a beautiful place if it really was okay for us to disagree? Yeah. It's like if we didn't put anything on disagreeing. Honestly, Phil, I think that it would be such a different world. And this is one of the things where you think it's so simple. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's actually really simple to think about that. And I mean, for the most part, I, I, I feel like that when I'm having conversations with people. My brother's a really super opinionated person, so if he ever listens to this. <laughs> but I love the fact now, like before I would try to argue my point with him, and now I'm just like, oh, here he goes. <laughs> like, just, just let it flow, you know. Um, I, I love being with people that we can have a very, you know, passionate debate and discussion about things. Like, oh, okay, cool, yeah, we're never going to agree on this, are we? Nope. No, that's cool. Okay, it's your round. You get the, you get the drinks. In, well, I think, I think because, um, yeah, it just, uh, we are all entertaining different thoughts. We're all looking through different lenses. I, think, I love how Byron Katie sums this up. She nails it, really, as she so often does. She says, no two people I've ever met. Yeah. And what I take from that is I can't ever meet you. I only, all I have is my perception, my interpretation mm. of you. That's it. I can't possibly know you. I can only know my idea of you. She does nail it with that one. Phil, this has been a lovely conversation. I would love to have you back for I could I could continue this for a very long time. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you so much. So like, yeah, you really indulged me in, in all this stuff. So thank you. I've, yeah, really. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I hope you'll come back. when. So when are you kind of leaving your your life of having a, a home to to be a nomad? <laughs> um, yeah, uh, next month, towards the end of next month. So I'm going to be uh, a little bit on the road or in the skies, on the seas, a little bit more. Um, but you know, anywhere where there's an internet, I, I just realized like, wow, again, I'd been waiting for how I thought things need to look in my life before I did this. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I would love to do that, but it has to look this way. And I just realized, hmm, no, it doesn't. <laughs> With the help of some friends to call me out on my story. Well, does it really? No, it doesn't. Okay. So let's go and see what happens. So, um, yeah, thank you. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Beautiful. I can't wait to see your journey. Thanks for taking the time to chat with me today, Phil. What a beautiful and lighthearted conversation with a lot of nuggets of wisdom. I really enjoyed the energy of my conversation with Phil. It was fun. It was insightful. And I hope to have him on the show again. Here are a few thought bomb takeaways. What would love do? What a great question. When you are stuck, struggling, or unsure of something, reflecting on this question can bring more clarity about the situation. And this type of inquiry can bring out the best in us. Love is something we define through our own personal lens. That lens changes moment to moment. Knowing that love is an idea allows us to approach it in a lighthearted and fun way. When we are feeling stuck, heartbroken, depressed, it is really a gift to share that this is a moment and more so the feelings that are connected to it are transient and will pass. Often when people are stuck, they struggle to see that. And finally, 
I loved our discussion around the concept of self-love. When you are searching or embarking on a journey of self-love, it's really denial of accepting or embracing the love that's innate and lies within you. I really loved that clarification. Until next time, be well, be inspired, be you. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll share this podcast. If you'd like to get in touch with Jessie Lynn, please check out the contact page on her website, jessielynnmcdonald.com. Also, we'd be beyond grateful if you would leave us a review. Join us next time for another edition of the CPR of Life.